Reading this morning is from Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat and let's pray. Father, we ask you to be with your people as we open your word and see what you might have for us this morning. We're grateful that your word changes us, it nourishes us, it sustains us, that we might be able to learn more about you and have our affections stirred all the more for Jesus Christ. And that you are sanctifying us, you are growing us in Christ-likeness. We might uh, feel as we've come in this morning that that is not happening in our lives. We, we want all the more to grow. We all want all the more to run toward you. And so would you work mightily, Holy Spirit, in, in the next several minutes uh, to accomplish your purposes this morning, that the gospel has gone forth, it will continue to go forth, and it will not return void. And this is the work you're pleased to do. We ask humbly in Christ's name. Amen. I want to, before we jump into the sermon, let you know about an opportunity here at City Church for us uh, here in the next several months. And many of you have been praying as a church for, for many, many months uh, that there could be an opportunity for us as a church body uh, to be involved in the community. Uh, we've talked so often about how we are uh, for the city of God primarily as we are seeking to build disciples here in the church, but we're also for the city that we're found in. Like we were saying earlier, that, that we are a part of the kingdom of God, but there is a kingdom of darkness that desperately needs the light to shine. And so to that end, I'm, I'm really thankful that uh, the Lord has opened up a door for us to serve uh, in, in this capacity with Academy 4. I'm not going to say a great deal about Academy 4 right now in this moment, but there is information on the table. There's a few brochures for you to pick up. Maybe you picked them up on the way in, but if not, certainly pick them up on the way out. We will have an opportunity as a church once a month, once a month, to bless the fourth graders at M.L. Phillips, which is an elementary school about seven minutes away from here, a little bit west of us where we are right now, three and a half miles, very close, very close to where many of you live. Maybe even perhaps you're familiar with where this elementary school is. It's a, it's a Title I school, which means that they're uh, primarily, a majority of their students are econo economically disadvantaged. And so there is a great need. There's a great need for help and mentoring. There's a great need for gospel light in this place. And so you're going to hear more about Academy 4 and how City Church can step into this space to serve our neighborhood, to serve our city in this particular way. And so I just wanted to kind of up front, we mentioned this at Men's Formation last week. Uh, we want to encourage everyone now to be on the lookout for more information about Academy 4. Sound good? Okay, 
as we uh, jump into this text that Kirk read to us just a minute ago, I think of, of life's embarrassments, maybe, maybe the most prominent, it's probably top three, would, would be uh, falling asleep while everyone else is awake, while, while dozing off. And maybe it's, it's happened to you uh, in a classroom setting uh, where you just get really drowsy and all of a sudden you, you doze off and the next thing you know you wake up and you don't know how much of the lecture you've missed. Maybe it's even happened at work during a meeting, uh, maybe during a lecture with a large group of people. Hopefully it doesn't happen this morning during the sermon, uh, but it's, it's possible that we've experienced this reality of falling asleep when everyone else is awake. Uh, when, when we were dating, Molly uh, and I would often visit her family in East Texas, and one of the things that was happening over and over again, to my shame, was that we would all be in the living room having a group conversation. Maybe at times we were watching something on television, and I became known for like dozing off almost every time in the living room while other people are talking. It's not a good look especially as, as she's dating me and hoping that uh, one day we'd be married. This isn't a good look for me uh, to, as people are talking and having conversation, that I would doze off in the middle of it. Our passage today in Proverbs uh, gives us a picture of wisdom in the life of the ant. So we're told to go to the ant. And then it also gives us a picture of folly in, in the sluggard, in the lazy person and the slothful person. Now, the sluggard or the lazy person or the slothful person is not someone that just dozes off occasionally in a meeting or in a living room or at school. That's not what Solomon is wanting to show us in this passage. It's not someone who just dozes off at inappropriate times, but it is someone who is morally culpable, morally culpable, for the ongoing intentional laziness in their life. The sluggard is not walking in the fear of the Lord. The sluggard is walking in ongoing laziness and sloth. And so that's what we want to look at this morning. We've been in Proverbs for the past several weeks, as many of you know, and looking at the different themes and topics in this book. This morning, we're going to look at this, uh, this idea, this theme of diligence, productivity, work ethic, and then sluggardness, slothness, laziness has a lot to say. If you've read Proverbs, you've probably come across several of these Proverbs that mention this word sluggard or mention the word sloth. We all have a natural bent in ourselves as we are born in sin. We all have this bent toward laziness. Now, maybe you hear that and, and you uh, want to rebuff that comments because you would see yourself as a very diligent person. Uh, you're not lazy at all. You are a very diligent worker. You are productive. But if we're honest, even if it's in degrees, even if it doesn't look exactly like it does in the person that's sitting next to you, we all have a bit of a bent, a bit of a gravitation toward being lazy. It's in our sin that we tend to curve in on ourselves. That's how sin has been described before, is curving inward on ourselves. And in slothfulness, in being a sluggard, our sin is curling in on itself, and it truly begins to show us the reality that an object at rest tends to stay at rest. 
And that's what we see here in this passage. We also see that Solomon is offering a wake-up call. You heard that in the passage. You hear Solomon call out to the sluggard, wake up. How long are you going to lie there? And the wake-up call is definitely a warning to the lazy person, to the sluggard. And the warning is this, laziness is life-threatening. Laziness is life-threatening. That that is the main idea this morning. If you, again, are taking notes on the handout that you received on the way in, laziness is life-threatening. And we want to see how is that so? How is that so? Let's jump into this text. I want to really do a very simple thing. We're going to look at the characteristics of the ant, which we're told to consider at the very beginning of this passage, and then we're going to look at the observation of the sluggard. What are his or her characteristics? Solomon and Proverbs uh, love taking uh, everyday things like animals and extracting from them gospel principles or wisdom principles. This is probably something that you do in your own family with your children. You, as you walk along and see a cloud or see an animal or think about something that you watched on TV like a movie, you're able to extract from those things gospel or wisdom principles. And that's exactly what Solomon is doing here in this passage. He does it a lot. A lot of the Proverbs are observations over everyday things, trees, animals, and now we're to consider, in this passage, the ant. Something that we probably don't do, it's just our inclination is not to look at an ant and consider what an ant does and what an ant has been created for. Most of us see an ant and we grab the ant killer. That's just what we do. We, we don't like ants. We don't want to stop and consider what, what this animal, what this tiny animal that God made could teach us. But I think as we consider the ants, we see that wisdom is found in God-glorifying diligence. God-glorifying diligence. Maybe we haven't thought about our work ethic or our diligence quite like that, that it's God-glorifying, but it indeed is. If, uh, if you want to know what I did this week, one of the things is I googled, do ants sleep? Probably a weird thing to uh, consider, but as I, as I read this, I, I thought immediately, yeah, ants seem to be, anytime I see an ant, it's always on the move. It's always, you know, taking a little piece of dirt from here and moving over here. Do ants sleep? I needed to know that really up front because if I'm to consider the ant and the ant doesn't sleep, then we're in trouble because I really like sleep. If you're curious, the answer is yes. Ants do sleep. Worker ants This is just an aside for you, trivia, if you want to use this in a conversation this week. Ants sleep about five hours a day in about 250 one-minute naps. Yeah, but they sleep five hours a day. Who knew? What What we're not talking about this morning is the glorious pattern that God has created for for us of work and rest. This is not a condemnation over sleep and rest. Those are really good things. Work and rest is what we were created for. But there is something that we have turned upside down in our sin, is there not? 
where we have looked at work and we have looked at rest and we have inverted them so often in the way that we live. But we consider the ant. And as we consider the ant, first, they were created to do, or they're doing what they were created to do. An ant was created to make ant piles. An ant was created to to take a, a small piece of dirt or a small piece of food and move it along in a line into the pile. Ants are proactive and resourceful. Uh, that's what Solomon means when, when, it, when he says that they don't need a ruler or an officer or a chief over them. Uh, what that means is that they've, they've internalized godly wisdom. An ant knows what it's made for, and it just does it. It doesn't wait around to see if anyone else or another ant will tell him or her what to do. It knows what it was created for, and it does it. It knows what time it is. It's time to prepare, maybe gather in the summer, prepare for harvest. We see the resourcefulness of the ant. And work is a good thing. Just mentioning that a minute ago, that work is God's idea. Work is not a four-letter word. Work is what we've been created to do. Now, what, what has happened since the fall is that sin has entered into the picture. And what was promised because of sin is that our work would be hard, that there would be toil, there would be sweat, there would be thorns and thistles. You think even of the ant, literally picking up a little piece of dirt and walking over here to place it in the pile, and then a human foot comes and smashes the ant pile. All that work, the diligence of the ants ruined in that one moment. And yet you all know, if you don't kill the ants, what is going to happen a few days later? Another ant pile. Disruption in their work, thorns and thistles, frustrations, and yet the ant doesn't give up. The ant still works to make the ant pile. They may scatter at the time and and move around and regroup and then you see an ant pile somewhere else in your yard. The ant is an appropriate picture of the wisdom of diligence. And And there's humility in an ant. It's a small creature. We don't we don't think about ants very often. This might be the first message that you've ever heard about the ant in the time that you've been a believer. We don't think about it very often. Ants are wonderful workers. Their their work is often overlooked, even belittled, seen as an annoyance, as a pest. But you consider the ants, in God-glorifying diligence, the ants accomplishes great things in community with the other ants. It's really something to marvel at, and that's exactly what Solomon is wanting us to see. One thing that we can do is make a mistake when we're thinking about this idea of diligence or productivity or work ethic. One of the things that we can do is think that the answer, the solution to our ills, what you hear me telling you is pour yourself even more into work. And what we've seen 
in our culture besides laziness and slothfulness, which we'll definitely get to because that is the point of this passage. But we can go the other way and think, I just need to be all about work. That it's work seven days a week. That it's work not eight hours a day, but 15 hours a day. We see our culture in many ways, this achievement idol in America, celebrate that type of workaholism. Maybe you, maybe you struggle with that. Maybe you come from families where uh, laziness was seen uh, to just rest one day. Like, you even have that. It is go, 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 go. But do ants sleep? Yes. Ants sleep. We even read uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes kind of a warning against this idea of looking at the ant and thinking that the salvation that we are so desperate for is in the work itself, that we are going to be saved by being more productive. And listen to what Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says. It says, better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after wind. There is great value and faithfulness in working diligently unto the Lord. But the work itself is not our Savior. We should work. We should be joyful in our worship through our work. But the work is not our Savior. But it's quite apparent in this passage here in Proverbs 6 that the sluggard needs a Savior. The sluggard needs rescuing. And so we see in the sluggard, beware. That's what Solomon is saying. Beware the sluggard whose folly is found in God-denying laziness. In the ants, we see God-glorifying diligence. In the sluggard, we see God-denying laziness. If we remember the, the context of Proverbs, as we've been in the book of Proverbs, we've said this a few times, that this is a father instructing his son. That's what we have going on here. We see a father talking to his son. This is meant to be read as a loving warning, a loving exhortation. And so if we see it that way, one thing we might wonder is, man, this sounds really severe. The, the father is calling his son a sluggard. The father is saying, you are lazy. He's identifying something in his son. He is observing in his son this constant movement toward laziness. He's observing in his son his constant lying in bed. What he's trying to do is disciple him away from the folly of laziness and toward the wisdom of being proactive and diligent. Now we shouldn't make any mistake. The sluggard is a type of fool. One of the things that we mentioned in the book of Proverbs is that foolishness is going to be on display in contrast to wisdom. And the fool in Proverbs can show up as a scoffer, someone who is violently abusive. The fool can also be an immature person, can literally just mean a young person who just doesn't know any better yet. And a fool can be also the sluggard. And this is what we see in this passage. The sluggard has been lying down. And it seems like he's been doing this for a while because Solomon says, how long will you just lie there? 
We also see that his laziness has come upon him little by little in tiny increments. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. This is exactly how most of our, if not all of our, major sin tendencies tend to show up in our life. We've mentioned this before, that sin grows over time, and it's growing by these little decisions that we make moment by moment, daily, maybe even hourly decisions that we make can add up into great sin over a long period of time. Just one more Netflix show before I go to bed. Maybe two. Maybe the entire season. Let me just hit that snooze button one more time. Okay, two times, and then, I, and then I'm definitely going to get up. I'm going to play Candy Crush this one more time, just one more game of Candy Crush, and then I'll get to work. What does it look like for you? And this isn't something that we can kind of wink at or excuse as a, as a personality quirk, like, oh, you know, that's just Jeff. He really likes his Candy Crush, so, we'll, you know, that's just him. We're not going to bother him about that. And the reason that we don't wink at this type of sin is because look at the last verse in verse 11. What happens to the sluggard? Poverty and want. Poverty and desperate need come to the life of the sluggard. And it it comes upon him seemingly out of the blue like a robber or an armed man. All these little decisions over his life that has led him to this point where he can't even get out of bed. And then poverty and want strike him. Poverty and want. The sluggard, if left to his own devices, will lose his life. That's what this is saying. The sluggard will lose his life. Now, the sluggard may not physically lose his life, but the sluggard will lose financial security. There will be relational poverty that comes upon a sluggard. Who wants to be friends with someone like this? Who can be friends with someone like this? Spiritual poverty will strike. It could be loss of a job. Could be loss of friendships, communion with God on life support. Laziness is life threatening. And this passage uh, really does present uh, like a ridiculous comedy. I mean, we, we think about what's going on here, we get this uh, mental picture of this man or woman sluggard in a bed tossing and turning, won't get up. And when we have that picture and we think, that is ridiculous, that is silliness. It almost plays out like a comedy, except that it's tragic. It's not a comedy, it's a tragedy. Listen to a few other Proverbs that talk about this whole idea of the sluggard. I want to read a few. Here's Proverbs 21, 25 through 26. It says this, The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteousness, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. The desire of the sluggard kills him. 
Solomon is also showing in different parts of Scripture and different parts of Proverbs that there's unrighteousness. That's why I was saying earlier, there's, there's, there's a morality to this. It's, you're morally culpable in your ongoing laziness. There's unrighteousness in perpetual laziness and even arrogance. This is Proverbs 26. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. This is Proverbs 26, verses 13 through 16. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard in bed. The sluggard buries his hands in a dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The slugger is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Do you hear it? Do you hear the heartbreaking nature of this person who can't even bring himself to to bring his hand from the plate of food into his mouth that says how lazy he is, that he is wiser in his own eyes, that there's a defiance in his laziness. And what I want to do is pause just for a minute and consider with you what this is not talking about. Because there's a reality that this, this word picture that we're getting, there's, there's an imagery of someone who is so far gone, they can't even get out of bed, they can't even feed themselves. And what this is not talking about is the affliction of depression. I want to make that clear because anyone who has ever struggled with depression probably can hear something like this and it sounds familiar. The patterns sound familiar that you don't even want to get out of bed and you can't even bring yourself to eat or engage with anyone else. That could bring a lot of shame and guilt if we were thinking in that direction. But that is not at all what Solomon is saying here in Proverbs. The sluggard is a portrait of someone who does not want to climb out of the pit of numbness. The sluggard is someone who is willingly, consciously walking away from God-glorifying productivity and work, who's, who's making the decision over and over again to walk away from discipline and diligence. So many of us today could say that we are asleep with our eyes wide open. And if you're honest, and if I'm honest, that is the case so often in our lives, that we are asleep with our eyes open. We shouldn't think of the sluggard in this passage or in any of the Proverbs uh, exclusively as someone who physically is lying in bed and not wanting to get up. We, we shouldn't read that exclusively because you can hear Proverbs 12.11, for example, say this, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. The sluggard defined here is someone who follows worthless pursuits, who is constantly distracted by this or that. The sluggard does not begin things. The sluggard does not finish things. The sluggard is a slave to procrastination. 
That's the picture that we get. We can get even a picture of the sluggard being restless in all of this. As peaceful as the word picture is about sleep and slumber and rest, there is a restlessness to the sluggard because he is not walking in the fear of the Lord. There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. This has always been the case. This is what we've all been born into across the millennia. We're seeing it here, obviously, as Solomon speaks to his son about being lazy and being a sluggard. But technology for us has opened up a a new way for this type of laziness to express itself in our lives, has it not? We have never been more restless, distracted, and entertained in history. It's a constant temptation for all of us. For one degree or another, we're all, uh, we're all bombarded by it. We're all tempted by it. It might be YouTube. It might be video games. It might be social media. And of course, the, the companies that are involved in these things know this. It's a multi-billion dollar industries meant to feed this type of tendency in us, this, this move toward laziness, this move toward being a sluggard. We, we just saw a few weeks ago, I'm sure you saw it in the news, that Apple making this huge big push for their new virtual reality headset so that you can escape the real world and find yourself dozing off in this metaverse of your own creation. Real universe responsibilities and work, that's what we've been made for. We've been made for reality. We've been made for this life, the true life. With all the the thorns and thistles and all of our sin and suffering, this is the work that we've been called into, but we are settling for the constant comfort of a screen. We used to go down rabbit holes and come back out of them. Now life is a rabbit hole. Life is one big rabbit hole, according to Apple, according to Facebook. You get lost in these things. One more YouTube video, one more video, one more video, one more video. Life is a rabbit hole. What God desires in actual diligence and work ethic is minimized in favor of the path of least resistance. Maybe you've even heard of this recent phenomenon. I was talking to Zane about this this week, and I've talked with uh, Daniel Winkler about it as well. This whole phenomenon of silent or quiet quitting. Have you read about this? Have you heard about this? Quiet quitting essentially is where employees are content with doing the bare minimum of their job, of just coasting without putting any more effort than just being employed, never going above and beyond, only the minimum, never thinking about what they could do to help in an extra way. I just want to keep this job. I'm going to do the bare minimum I can. This is the type of sluggard that looks at the ants maybe even in the cubicle next to them and goes, nah, I don't want that. Whatever I can do to coast by. Now, we can, we can think about these things. Maybe we see them in our own heart. Maybe we've observed them and other people. One degree or another, we're, we're affected by it. 
there's no way that we can't be affected by something like this. And here's the temptation I think might be with some of us, even in this moment right now, is that we hear about this laziness and we think of all the other things that we could be talking about, of all the other sin struggles that are out there, pornography, we talked about anger last week, financial irresponsibility, and we don't see the seriousness of it all. We ask, is this really that big of a deal in comparison to other sins that we are called to fight? There's something in us that doesn't believe that laziness is life-threatening. Even the main idea of the message, you would say, laziness, I don't see it as life-threatening. But friends, it is life-threatening because laziness, slothfulness, being the sluggard is sin. We'll just call it what it is, it's sin. It's not entering into what God has designed for your or my life. And so we, we call it what it is, it's sin. And we need help. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands is rendering people helpless and in some cases useless. Instead of being formed into the image of Christ, we're being deformed into the image of the sloth. And like the father warning his son in Proverbs 6, the time to wake up is now. Our father Our Father is pleading with us. He's pleading with us as his children to look at the one who is tempted toward laziness in every respect. The one, Jesus Christ, who on this earth was surely tempted to take the path of least resistance. The one who surely wanted to put his head down into his hands, bury himself in his hands and avoid what was going on around him. Our Father wants to look at him who is without the sin of laziness and, and find the perfect, diligent son. To find not only the model for diligence, but our means. Because again, we're not saved by being an ant. We're not saved by working harder. We're saved by looking at Jesus. The Father sent the word to call sleepy people to rise to new life. The Father is calling us sleepy people, slothful people, to arise to new life. That's what he's wanting to do even in this moment right now. And the good news is there is grace for the sluggard. There is love for the lazy. For while we were sleeping and folding our hands to rest, Christ died for us. You think of in the Garden of Gethsemane when, when uh, the, obviously the famous story where Jesus is with a few of the, his disciples on the eve of being crucified. And what do we see? We see a picture of the diligent son. We see a picture of toil, of work, of labor in prayer to the point that Jesus is shedding in his sweat drops of blood And what do we find in the disciples in that moment? Asleep. Jesus toiling in prayer. No one has seen diligence like this. No one has seen toil and work and labor as this. 
What an opportunity for the disciples in that moment to observe what Jesus is doing in that moment. Maybe even to enter into prayer with Jesus, to labor with them as they see him, and yet they're asleep. On the cross, the most diligent man to ever live was brutalized with ultimate poverty and want. The punishment for our laziness, the consequences for the sluggard fell on Jesus Christ. But now, we do hear our Father calling to us. We do hear the gospel. The gospel for the sluggard is a call to resurrected life. We get it right there. We see it. It's sleepiness and then waking up. It's lying down and then arising. This is resurrection language. To arise from slumber as Christ arose from the dead. This is a wake-up call full of mercy. There is repentance for our la- laziness. Our keeper will neither slumber nor sleep. Today, if you hear his voice, do not go back to sleep. If you hear his voice, arise. As we abide in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are awake and alert to new life. That's who we are. We're a people that are now awake. We're not a sleepy people. We are not the sluggards. In Christ, we are aware to new life. And we can glorify God by doing what we were made to do. We can glorify God in our work, to work and keep our gardens, to work and keep what he's called you to in your vocation. We, we work as we go and make disciples. We do that starting in our homes. We cultivate, we work, we keep in our homes, and then we go out from there to make disciples. What does repentance from perpetual laziness to godly diligence look like? Maybe you've uh, listened here over the past several minutes, and again, you would say, I, I hear you, Jeff, uh, but I go to work every day. I'm up, I'm up at the crack of dawn, and I am diligent at work for my eight or nine hours that I am there, and to that I say, praise God, all the more. Joyfully, joyfully, let us enter into that world. But what if the work that is lacking in your life is spiritual? What if you have a diligence to go to work every day, but spiritually you've been lacking? You're disciplined to show your employer every aspect of diligence, but in the area of prayer or reading scripture, you find yourself being the sluggard. What can we do? First of all, I think it's helpful to identify what other language, whatever, what, what other words can we attach to this idea of laziness or sluggard. I'm, I'm assuming that you don't use the word sluggard in normal life. That is found in the Bible, but what does this look like? Maybe it's an experience of being stuck, maybe being overwhelmed. Maybe, maybe you are lazy or a sluggard in the sense that you're drowning in chaos all around you and you find it easier just to check out of all the things going on around you rather than leaning in. Maybe that's the experience that I'm talking about this morning. Put your feet on the floor. That's the first thing someone who is asleep does when they awake 
It's the first thing you do when you arise in the morning is that you come up out of bed and you put your feet on the floor. So put your feet on the floor. And maybe that literally means that you wake up earlier to put your feet on the floor. And then you stand up and you put one foot in front of the other. We are a people that move away from laziness and toward Christ by degrees of glory. We talk about that all the time, that we are being transformed in from one degree of glory to the next into the image of Jesus Christ. If we had another picture in our mind, if we have another word picture of what our growth in Christ, what our sanctification looks like, imagine with me that sanctification is taking one step to the right and then another step to the right and that we take steps to the right all the way to when he returns for us, when we are fully sanctified in him. He's calling us today to take one step to the right. Parents, dads in particular perhaps, sloth, sluggardliness, laziness is not only life-threatening for, for you, it's life-threatening to your family. Dads, what does it look like to take one step to the right? Maybe it begins with acknowledging that you've been lying around for a while. Maybe it begins with acknowledging that you've been staring at a screen a lot. Put your feet on the floor and then pray for that one step to the right. In our battle with this sin of laziness and with escapism, what would God call you to do to operate in wisdom? This is something that every person or family will need to wrestle with. Technology in and of itself, not a bad thing but we have to live with it in a wise way. For some of you, wisdom will mean deleting social media. For some of you, wisdom will mean putting time constraints on your electronic devices. That's probably a worthy conversation on the way home today. What is God calling you to do? Here's something else that we can do as God's people, and this is the last point. We should take Solomon's encouragement to go to the ant and learn its ways of wisdom. And so my question for us this morning is, who is that in your life? Who is the ant? A-N-T, not A-U-N-T. Who is the ant in your life? Who is someone that as you look at their life, as you observe their life, you see extremely mature diligence. You see someone who has grown tremendously in personal spiritual disciplines. In our need, we cry out to God for help, and then we cry out to others for accountability. Who might be the ant that God has put in your path? Again, salvation is not found in the ant. Salvation is not found in diligence itself. Salvation is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the diligent son. He alone is rescue from our slumber. Let's pray. Father, we come to you as people that struggle mightily in this area of laziness, that we've been bombarded from without and from within this desire to be perpetually lazy, to not engage either physically or spiritually or mentally 
Will you help us to hear the call that you have for us this morning to arise, to, to wake from our slumber? We know that we've gotten here little by little over small increments of steps and time, but we find ourselves in a great deal of trouble. Father, I'm thankful for so many good examples of diligence in this space, in this church. Many ants that are diligent, that have great work ethic, that are desiring to glorify you with their lives and what you've created them to do. I pray all the more for that to be the story that we tell to each other and to a lost and dying world that is suffering tremendously from escapism and laziness. And where we see that in our own hearts, will you help us put it to death? We know we can only ask these things and expect that you will change our lives because of Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.